episode 185 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. It could be a movie, TV series, anime, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by my co-captain, Kyle Springer. My normal camera is not working. I'm upset. Yeah. I, I made the mistake of accidentally leaving it on uh, all day yesterday. I was trying to show my roommate something Friday night, and I guess I just forgot to turn it off. And so like all night and then all day yesterday and <gasps> all night. And then I get here this morning and I see that it's still on. And I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck, that's not mm. good. No fun. Uh, so, yeah, now I'm switched on to my my old webcam uh, from, oh. from back in the, back in the day uh, mm-hmm. for this one. But besides that, my weekend has been great. Lots of bonfires and drinking and Ooh. leftovers and pizza and all sorts of stuff. It's been good. Oh, pizza. Yeah. A good Thanksgiving pizza. You know what I Man, mean? Like I, I like <laughs> Thanksgiving food, but after you've eaten all of it, like for your weird two o'clock thanksgiving meal you know the only time you eat a meal that big is for thanksgiving and then it's night and you're like i i know i've got piles of leftovers but what i want is pizza (laughs) right and but that's the thing you kind of have to mix it up though right because if if you just continually go back to that well of leftovers then it it, like you're just like man i'm kind of sick of this like i i want something else like give me something else uh so yeah a a, a good like thanksgiving pizza is not not a bad choice no here you go speaking of leftovers yes that is what we are talking about this week here on the review Uh show season three of the leftovers yes we are concluding our ongoing monthly series uh, for the last two months, normally we do this episode at the end of the month, uh, but we always fudge that for October because end of the month, that's Halloween. You got to focus on Halloween. This isn't yeah. scary enough. It's existentially scary, but like there's not a vampire in it. So we recorded <laughs> at the end of September, beginning of November. And now here at the end of November, we're here to conclude the tale of the leftovers. Indeed. Indeed. Uh let's jump right into kind of a brief plot synopsis of where okay previously on lost like what what yeah what has happened so far to catch us up to where we are okay this uh the leftovers is a show that takes place in a world where there was a day called the departure where suddenly two percent of all humans alive disappeared with no explanation no idea where they went. They straight up vanished right in front of you. Uh, and nobody knows what caused this, where they went. Are they going to come back? Could this happen again? And the show started, I think, three years after that event. And here, where we are in season three, it's seven years after that event. And people are experiencing mm-hmm. this sort of seven year itch, they call it. And according to some biblical scholars, there's like, biblical mythology that says something like this could happen again on the seven year anniversary. So everybody's uh, a holy in, number, in re- right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's real high strung trying to expect what's going to happen on the seven year anniversary. And our protagonist is Kevin Garvey, 
He was the sheriff of a small town in New York somewhere in season one, just dealing with the fallout of this event in his town. The show really isn't about the mystery of the departure itself so much as it is about the presence of general mystery in these characters' lives and how they deal with it, how they deal with loss, how they try and find solace, find purpose, find connection after something that traumatizing has happened to everyone. And uh, in season two, he, he moved to this little town in Texas called uh, Miracle, the one town in the world where nobody was lost during the departure. Well, you look at that town and its citizens' mindset about that. And where we are in season three, it's, I think, about three years after the end of season two. Kevin's still, you know, there in, in Miracle, there with his family. But some of his friends... After the events of season two, out of, after the w- weird, wonderful things that have happened to Kevin, they're like, Kevin, you might be a god. He's like, what do you mean I'm a god? I'm just you Kevin. Might be the second coming of Christ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, you're a miracle man. You need to be here in this miracle town on the seven year anniversary of the departure. And we think you're going to fix it and like bring everybody back. Uh, meanwhile kevin's dad has gone on a spirit journey to australia and kevin's like i'm gonna go get my dad back it had several friends follow him like kevin no you're supposed to be here don't go to australia days are counting down kevin Kevin." (laughs) yeah this show is wild like to to, oh yes say the very least this show is bizarre and wild and Mm, it is non-stop entertaining uh, to, uh-huh. to say the least. Um, yeah, I I left season two on a really high note. I was like, ooh, this yes. has caught my interest in a weird way. There was still some things that I wasn't really vibing with, but it was a lot more diving into the mystery. Um, there there was actually a mystery that they were trying to solve, right? There was yeah. a disappearance of a good girl. Um and so that spoke to me more as a crime show fan who is who, who's just like I, I I like when they are actively trying to solve uh, a, mm. a goal. So I left season two on a high note, went into season th- three expecting like that same level of a- 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 energy. And I got it in spades. Uh, the show starts out with a bang. Let's let's, let's <laughs> put it that way. Um, that being said, I kind of lost the plot in this in this third season. I, mm. I, I, I think I walked away with season three being my least favorite season oh. of them all, mm. um, which if you guys remember what I said about season one, I was like, it's fine. I like it. Uh, it, it just hadn't hooked me yet. Right. There were certain mm. things of like if they only explored that one thing, like I would have liked it more. Uh, this I, I felt was just bizarre for bizarre sake. <laughs> if that makes sense, like I, I'm, I'm still like tr- trying not to spoil stuff. It kind yeah. of goes off the rails. It gets really wild. And it does and still <laughs> it's still super entertaining to watch this whole this whole thing. Mm. But I feel like. It's like this compared to what was happening in season one is just a different show. 
Like it's yeah. n- not even the same thing. Like season one mm. was so much about like, no, we're not g- 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 gonna explore the mystery. Like this is about how people cope and how they deal with loss and how they move on. And it was this very grounded show. And then season three, it, there, there's like a wild sex boat. There's the second coming <laughs> of Christ. There's this thing over yeah. here. It just what is going on? Stopping the floods Giant. from happening again. He has to go back and forth to the afterlife. There's all sorts. It just what? What? What is going it's, on? <laughs> that's what I like about this show. Uh, <laughs> what had brought me to it in the first place. I knew it was co-created by Damon Lindelof. I, I mm-hmm. Lost is a personal favorite of both of ours. I'm intrigued yep. by Lost adjacent projects. And I had heard the the kind of running joke throughout the show that uh, most of the cast of the 80s sitcom Perfect Strangers had disappeared in this <laughs> departure. And only one actor, like only Mark Lynn Baker is left. And like it was believed that he departed too. And then you find out no, he he faked it. Like he was, it really got to his head that there was this astronomical wild chance that he was the only person to have, that all of them disappeared and he remained. He's like, why did that happen? I don't understand it. He sort of went off the grid and everyone thought he departed. Uh, and I knew that there was, <laughs> that, that was happening. And then he came back and he was, and you saw how, kind of maddened he was by the fact that all of his co-stars in this incredibly unlikely event had all disappeared and he was left and he didn't know why and he didn't know if he was chosen if they were chosen or what mark lynn baker is the leftover <laughs> right <laughs> you could have done this entire series also from mark lynn baker's perspective and i would have loved it that was the honest, one thing i knew about this idea. going in and i thought that's a great addition to this rapture theme that they are working with. That's all I knew going in. And I have been delighted at how weird the show is. It is such a well done, high production value, really high caliber of writing and acting. It is the HBO prestige drama about these very high level themes. It's got sort of undercurrents of weird metaphysical mysteries to it but it also has this rowdy energy where it's just like unrelated strange things could happen at any time yeah yeah and this season definitely brought that to me you mentioned the sex boat uh the uh the (laughs) 20 foot tall inflatable gary Busey's. (laughs) we get that in the first episode doesn't come back unfortunately because then we leave miracle and we spend most of the season in australia And I think that also had an effect on the season that we do leave for a foreign place where we haven't been before. I think they they filmed in Australia and maybe because of that, they had like a limited cast. Like there's like Jill's barely in this season. Like there are major characters from the first two seasons that really just don't get to be included in these events. Uh, It's eight episodes this season instead of 10 episodes for the first two seasons. So it is trying to take these big swings and incorporate these odd new facets into the story while removing things that we got used to in the beginning and doing it with two shorter hours in the first two seasons. So it is, it does feel a little odd, but I, 
I like a lot of the ways in which it was odd. And I did really yeah. like how it ended, how they chose to write that final episode. It's not at all what I was expecting, but I think it works. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think at the end of the day, I walked away from this show being like, this is a good show. Like, I, yes. I, I liked it. I en- enjoyed it. Maybe not anywhere near my favorite stuff, but regardless, it is an entertaining show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I it, it's it's one I can now cross off my list of things I've been meaning to, to watch for a long t- time now. Uh, and I, I feel accomplished that I. That yeah, I, I. I definitely recommend it, so. it to people, especially because it is three seasons it's 28 episodes you get a lot in here and it's not that much of a time commitment compared to longer running dramas yeah indeed indeed uh other kind of like thoughts about season three of uh the leftovers here before we get into housekeeping and spoilers oh (laughs) When I talked to you uh, a couple nights ago, I asked you where you were and you were about to start the penultimate episode. And I told you this, the penultimate episode of this show and the penultimate episode of Mr. Robot have got a, a weird connection between the two of them. Both of these finales do the same thing that I was not expecting <laughs> them to do. Uh, and, and I think we'll talk more about that after in the spoiler section. Good. There we go. A little bit of a teaser for what's coming yeah. up uh, in the show. But for right now, uh, we will take a quick break to do some housekeeping and then we will be back after that. So we will be right back. We put a lot of hard work into the shows that we make. And yes, we make multiple different shows here at The Whatnots, and we'd love it if you would check them all out. You can find out more information on our website at thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. If you want to support what we do here at The Whatnots, patreon.com slash thewhatnots is the best place to do that. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all kinds of exclusive content at the $3 tier. You can also get a shout out and thank you on all of our shows at the $5 tier. You can support us on Twitch by subscribing to our channel at twitch.tv slash the whatnots. And we would love to have you all join us for our live streams and talk with us in the chat. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a sweatshirt or a mug or something else, go to the whatnots.com slash store to pick up some merch today. And we are back. A big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, especially those at the $5 tier. Uh, we So thank you, Sam. We Thanks, love you a lot. We appreciate you. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, Thank you so much for supporting us for so long. I, like as oh, long as you have. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. It's, what a tremendous benefit to us. <laughs> Sam is very valuable. It is. Yeah, it is. So thank you, Sam. Thank you. 
um, cool things that we have been up to here at the Whatnots. Uh, it, it's kind of Thanksgiving weekend still while we are mm-hmm. recording this. Um, so did we didn't have a thing of crossplay this week, but we we still have yet to record the captain's log, which we are recording sometime today after this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're about to do our holiday pitches here on the review show. Yeah. Uh, I know coming up this next week on the Captain's Log, not the one we're recording today, but the week after that is our Rotten Tomato movie predictions. Uh, yes. We, we, we tried to predict at the beginning of the year what the Rotten Tomatoes score of a bunch of movies releasing this year would be. We're checking in on that uh, at the start of December. There's a pizza bet on yeah. the line here so the winner with the most points gets pizza uh and then we are also going to be predicting a bunch of the stuff for next year mm. too so be on the lookout for that hawkeye on disney plus has yeah. started uh so we have done our reactions uh they released the first two <laughs> the first two episodes of Hawkeye on Disney Plus so we have reacted to that on the Reactor Core uh so go check all that stuff out on podcast feeds on our YouTube on our website thewhatnots.com all that good stuff we got plenty more coming down the road Melissa uh-huh I say we get into spoilers and do all that stuff. Are you ready for the third and final season of The Leftovers? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Spoilers. Damn, there we are in spoilers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's start with with what you were mentioning at the end there. This like (laughs) Mr. Robot connection here. I. Yeah, uh, not to if you haven't watched Mr. Robot yet, which is a show we covered last year. It was, I think, the the second of these ongoing monthly series we tried to do. So you may skip ahead a couple minutes if you're unfamiliar. Uh, That's a show I definitely recommend. Also, check out Mr. Robot. It's also also a wild time. Both of those shows end with the main character going to an alternate plane of reality and killing his double. Basically, yeah. (laughs) It's just so specific. Okay, so these are all the similarities I wrote down. The Leftovers and Mr. Robot both feature um, a protagonist with a habit of blacking out, forgetting where he was. Uh, We start the series with him taking a stranger's dog. The the yeah. piano cover of Where Is My Mind plays as he confronts something he did while he was blacked out. He's in love with a woman who is willing to cross metaphysical boundaries to recover a lost loved one. Uh, he has a friend who thinks he's a god. At one point, this friend also shot yes. him. Yeah. Uh, after reaching a moment of peace with his enemy, a mysterious woman in white, he kills his double. In the penultimate episode, the penultimate episode also features a needle drop from the Beach Boys. Wow. And Kevin's favorite movie is The Godfather Part 2, and Elliot's favorite movie is Back to the Future 2. So, sequels also. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that for, for Mr. Robot, that they go to an alternate like reality for a brief Like Once you mentioned that, it, it hit like, oh yeah, right. they did do that. Holy shit, I forgot. That's, that's the finale <laughs> that, of that show. 
<laughs> and we, we were so caught off guard too when that happened. I remember that. I'm just like, what is happening in this show? This <sighs> is the third show we've covered that ends with going to an alternate reality because that happens in Dark too. Yeah, yeah. Ah, man. I mean, I, I, I like sci-fi stuff. I like the whole uh -huh. alternate reality time travel sci-fi stuff. So that, I, that aspect of things is great. I love it. <laughs> More of that. Please. I, I want to do a monthly series on Fringe at some point, and then we can just do <laughs> we'll complete a set of alternate reality shows. It's uh, we, 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 yeah, we can complete the set of alternate reality shows, all of the shows that the creators of Lost made after Lost. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, um, man, that 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 was a good show, too. Yeah, it was good. It, it like kind of floundered around in the middle bit there, but it started good and it ended great. So. Oh, that's good. I've never heard about the ending. I didn't know how it went. They, that's good. It, it was it was one of those things where it started off like so strong. It was like a modern day X-Files uh, yes. and mixed with like the mysteries of Lost mm. in, in the start there. And then they just kind of left them. They just didn't really explore them as much as people wanted and so the show kind of floundered for a while there but then it really just like rallied and picked itself up and the end of that show was phenomenal so good stuff good. there uh so so looking at the final season yeah. of the leftovers what were you hoping for did you want Ooh, answers okay. to the mysteries about the departure uh, were you hoping that they would just leave that open ended with no investigation into it? Yeah, I I I wasn't looking for an explanation of like, this is what mm. happened. This is where they went. I I was hoping it wouldn't really dive into all of that. Um, and we did kind of get an answer uh, on the this yeah. there, there's there's actually like three different realities in in this show when you think about it right there's right. the like main one that we're watching yes there's the like afterlife reality like yes. we're not sure how real that one is but it's a thing uh and then there is this like other reality where the two percent went or where they thought yeah. that, like 98 percent le left yeah. it's unc it's unclear of like did we switch at the start and just not no 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 it yeah are um, they in universe prime and we've spent this entire series in yeah in U universe beta or something who knows um yeah, so like I I I wasn't expecting the show to go into any of that. I really wanted this show to focus on the people and them getting over their depression or learning how to start a new family. Yeah. Um not in for in some cases, uh characters learning to forget or uh just just not be so stuck right in in where they are like i wanted it to be somewhat of a triumphant ending in that sense of like they've they've finally gotten to a place where mm. they're fine like they're they're, they're fine yeah. with 
things like it, it still might suck that they don't know what happened or that but like they've they've worked out their ish, issues and they've gotten them to a manageable level mm. and this show almost went the opposite direction it's like what if we just heightened their anxieties and depression and issues and just took it so far that they start a new religion and like start <laughs> writing a new testament to, to the bible like these guys just go so nuts that it's it's it's, it's just <laughs> yeah you're right that is the art this season starts with everybody is uh as you said more nuts than the last time we left them you're not sure at the beginning there's like there's families that have come together that have uh grown um the uh, Tommy's back in town Tom, it's good to see Tommy again slightly yep. <laughs> doing the you know, not being off in a weird cult situation it's like oh Tommy's part of the main story we leave him almost immediately but for like an episode or two there he is and isn't that nice I <laughs> I Erica ended up leaving John but it seems like she's happy and then John has has remarried Lori and they still live next door to like Kevin and Nora and and, and J- Jill went off to college and seems like she's happy there. Yeah. Like there's some social improvement within the family dynamics. Mary ended up you know, surviving. They've got a little boy named Noah. But like there's progress, but there's also still uncertainty. Jill's still like uncertain about spending a lot of time with her mom because she knows how much guilt her mom is, is still carrying and she does not absolve her of that. Mary feels stifled by Matt telling her, like, Miracle is a miracle town. And if you leave, you're going to get sick and and fall into a coma again. So please don't leave town. And she ends up taking off like, I I can't do this. I want to go home. I want to see my family. I want to see my parents. Like, I'm going back to Mapleton. Follow me if you want, Matt. Like, there's there's rough stuff happening. And yeah, Matt and and John. And Michael are all these like disciples of Kevin, the book of Kevin they're writing. Yeah. Matt is handwriting it, which is the wildest part of it to me. It's not even typing it out. He's handscribing it in a leather journal. God, no, man. Yeah. So I like this is one of the things that this show has a habit of doing, which I think I, I walked away with just... I, I don't know I necessarily like it, that there are these time jumps in between the seasons, which that I, I, I don't mind. But the fact that the social dynamics of things and the locations are switched up so much that every season is kind of a new show. Right. Where mm-hmm. from season one, we're in Mapleton. We learn all of these family dynamics. Uh, this guy used to be married to her, but she's in this cult and they have this kid. But there is this other yeah. kid that they have. He's over here. Uh, and then we get to season two and we start following a whole new family. And yeah. it's in a whole new location halfway across the country. Uh, and and then the f- family we know from season one eventually comes in and it's now both of these families. Um, and and then in season three, the new f- family that we started following in season two, they're so distraught at what happened that they have broken up as a family. Uh, they have n- now like remarried to other characters we already know mm. in the show. <laughs> 
and they <laughs> have been for like a year or two. Like what happens there? Like I don't understand. It just it's it's so jarring that it's just like yeah. Uh, who right who, who is yeah like, i feel like i have to relearn these characters especially yeah john right because like he he was so different in season three yeah that I, I like i almost don't recognize him and so i just felt i felt like each season was its own new thing which it kind of is mm. it, and, but it, i i think at the end of the day i i left that just being like it that that almost took me out of the show like i felt like i had to restart and go from the beginning there so i understand that i think yeah i think it works for me because the the nature of the trauma that everyone has experienced is so great that if this show had a tighter timeline where one season did take place much more promptly after the end of the first season, after the end of the preceding season. I, if this took up less time, I don't know if I would believe the progress as much. Like this show takes seven, it's seven years after the departure is where we end. We start at three years after we ended seven years after. I feel like, and then well, actually we end like 20 years after that. We haven't talked about that part of it. Yep. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. So like, Everything these characters have gone through, I understand that they need that much time to get to the next stepping stone, to make progress, to get closer to their new life. This isn't a show that could be like three seasons and each season represents one year and the years are all consecutive after each other. Like that, that wouldn't have. It's more of a traditional flow that I think works better with people's brains because it's what other shows do. But I don't think it's right for what this show is going for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would agree with that. It's like it was a creative decision, especially I think after Lost kind of notoriously had no plan and they were just kind of making it up as they went there uh as 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 much as i will defend that show it had its issues um mm. but it like it i i felt like this was no we are very much only gonna do like three seasons we know the story it's based on a book so we have source material we know how it mm. ends but it still has its mysteries right it still yeah. has that stuff so it like it 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 really felt like a an active decision that they made here where it's like all right season two will focus on this thing and season three will focus on this which means we can't show this like in between time where things shift we just have to go like mm -hmm. all right here's the new normal and boom let's go yeah which I think works for the format of what it is, where we start at the very beginning with characters adjusting to a new normal, and then we go back and we see what happened. We start with Lily is gone, and you don't know if she died or what happened, and then you find out yep. that Christine came and, and asked for her back. And now she's got her own little family there with her and Lily and, and another baby she's had. Yeah, there's, there is a lot to catch up on. Uh, I can understand that being a, a a downfall of this season. There's a lot to catch up on in fewer time. Uh, and you just get like brief intros to characters who you don't get to follow up with. 
Like there's some, like I said, Jill, we get one scene with Jill and then we hear her on a phone call later. And that's, that's a wrap on Jill for this season. You know what? I want to know what happened to Jill's friend. Remember in season one and she just left. Like I, I I liked her. She was a great character. And then just abandoned. How's Amy? How are those twins? Uh, yeah, right. we don't follow up with anything that's happening in Mapleton. We don't know what the status of that town at all. Uh, the, is, the closest we get is that the dog man comes back. The man who was shooting all of the feral dogs that were running around town after their owners had disappeared. Comes back to see, he comes to Miracle to see Kevin. And he gives him this peanut butter sandwich with, with a bite taken out of it in his Ziploc bag. And he's like, Kevin, I was working as a caterer at some fancy like political fundraiser dinner. We had all this amazing food. The governor came in. All he wanted us to make was a peanut butter sandwich. Uh, He ate one bite of it. And then I was able to take the leftovers and bag them up for you so that you can do DNA evidence on this and convince and, and, and prove what I believe, which is that the governor is a dog who took human form. Dogmen. Dogmen are real. They've infiltrated love- the highest levels of government. <laughs> I love that. That we've got this character who in season one, you don't know. This, this happens throughout the season, because in season one, there are characters who feel who, who come across as knowing more than our protagonist point of view character Kevin does. And you're yeah. wondering, are these good influences? Are these bad influences? Are these characters right? Is there something weird going on? Does Kevin really have a magical calling hidden inside an old issue of National Geographic? The, the dog man, I don't remember his name, <laughs> but the dog man was one of these characters where it's like you, you're in touch with something around here. Is that a delusion or is that true? Things are so weird around here. Like we can't grasp when characters are believable or not whether you're a credible source of things kevin is supposed to be doing so we meet up again with this guy and it's like oh no oh dogs taking human form cannot be part of this you're wrong kevin shouldn't be listening to you and we've got kevin's dad kevin senior who is another Mm -hmm. character who has an air of wisdom about him and you wonder if what he's saying is true and the season proves he was also delusional. He went to such great, great lengths traveling across the country, you know, traveling across the world, stealing all of these indigenous aboriginal songs because he's going to play a song and stop the flood. And he, he like walked, he hobbles across the outback for two days. He goes through terrible events. And at the end, it's sort of all moot. Which also yeah. happens with Matt, kind of. We've got a show where there have been characters who just get disproven over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a heightened sense of reality with those characters. But it yeah. is a thing that when when people are dealing with a traumatic event or the loss of a loved one or just a, a, a complete life change. Right. Mm-hmm. People will latch on to to things, whether it's good for them or bad, and they will believe in it wholeheartedly. And sometimes it's to their detriment. 
right? Yeah. Where it's just like, at, you've gone so far, you are doing these things that are crazy or insane, and it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. You, you, you need to stop, dude. Like, this is hurting you and other people and all this. St- or, yeah, it's just like, okay, well, it's not really hurting anyone, but it's just... It's just like it's so sad, sad to see yeah. this character stuck in this one thing, yes. right? Like it's just yeah, lots to deal with. Mm-hmm. Lots to deal with. Um, I did want to talk about one other kind of thing that I did not like about this show. Okay, and we can move on to more of the chaos mm. uh, after this. How did you feel? About the opening credits in season two and three. Oh, 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 that, uh, this is a good question. Yes. So as, as season compared to season one, because they they're season d- 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 one. Different. Yeah. Season one is this like religious painting of people being taken up like it is a rapture. It's got this very grandiose orchestral music played over it. Which I think fits haunting. the tone of season one. Yeah. In season two, it's I love the visuals of the the second set of credits where it's just family photos where one person is like missing and in their outline, it's the sky or, or a landscape or something. They are just this empty void and it plays this cutesy, folksy song about like everybody's wondering where they come from, where they're going to go. Again, fifth season two, from, where God we're in a small Texas town. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the and song season... that they play. That'd be wild if that God, was the song. God, it ought to be. <laughs> and it's because in season three, they keep the visuals from season two, but they change up the songs. Like Every they'll play episode, the theme yeah. song to Perfect Strangers over one. They'll play uh, in the last, they changed it up a couple times depending on like what the episode was, what its tone was, who it was following. And then for the final two episodes, they brought back the theme music from season one and season two. So it's sort of a a grab bag. I also like that if a character, if an actor isn't in that episode, they don't shorten the credits to like remove the card that has their name. They still show all of those cards just with no name on it. And it does feel very eerie and empty, which I dug. I liked that choice a lot. I did not like the opening credits in season two and three. I thought they were awful. I really? thought they were terrible. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can see why season one's credits maybe were at like knowing where the show goes. I'm wondering if that was like too much of a spoiler in, yeah. in a sense of like, this is where the show is g- g- going to go. Um where it was like very focused on religion and it, it had the like the, the the this like angelic paintings of like the God reaching down and touching the finger of Adam. Like mm. it, it had it had that feeling and I liked it because it was darker. It was creepier. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then you're hit in season two with this like upbeat. F- f- folksy song like i'll just let the mystery be and i'm just like what in the world like this is this does not match at all i thought it matched (laughs) i it it was jarring for for me because it still is this mystery of like people disappeared Mm. like there's this 
cult that is up to no good and they're about to like destroy the city basically and all that like dark stuff is happening and it's just like just upbeat happy folksy blues welcome that's jordan texas that's why it worked for me that's the whole vibe of season two that we go to this tiny quaint folksy town that is this epicenter of all of these clashing faiths and beliefs and 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 uh different cult mentalities like so much pressure yeah. so much symbolism is placed on this town and it's trying to live up to the symbolism and still operate as a normal town where yeah maybe we are a miracle place also come to the roadside stand to buy tomatoes and corn like it's trying to be different things <laughs> and to have that that upbeat oh. folksy song juxtaposed against that element of the town trying to persevere amidst all the all the darkness creeping in uh, it worked for me like i'll i'll give you that there is there like it does match in that symbolism right of like they are trying to be this like hey welcome everybody look at us we're a miracle like ain't nothing happened to us here in texas mm. um but yeah it was just it was such an abrupt change of song and it was so radically different from yeah. season one to season two that it was it was again it was just jarring um mm-hmm. then on top of that yeah the the like pictures that they do like you said are these like family photos with a person or t- or two missing i think it's only one person per f- f- photo but still well, there, there's one um, big group photo at the end that is like three people in it but yeah three yeah so it, it but yeah so like that stuff i don't mind as much but it had a more uh like airy like atmospheric feeling like it was less creepy and more like oh this is like a computer back around that i can buy off of okay like if that makes sense like it 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 sure it it was like i get what they were doing it just i don't think it read like they wanted it to read if that makes sense but it was fine like i'm not like it's just like all right like i i get what you're g- g- going for with that the other thing that i hated the i the thing that i think i hated the most about this uh-huh. is the font the font that they the font's used. a little odd yeah the font is and the the font is the font that every flyer, like a club promotional flyer, yeah, 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 used in like the like early two thousand tens to be like, it it's ladies' night at Club Five Three Four. Come join us here for right, and it just has it's like this really bold display font where all the letters that have like a a a hole in them like d or uh, uh, o or stuff like that they're completely filled in so it's just these big chunky blocky letters and you pair that with these pictures that have people missing and there's like galaxies where they used to be it just feels it it feels weird like it's not like i just i not for me at all i was like this this is bad like (laughs) i don't know what happened that i had such a positive view of the opening credits and you didn't (laughs) what does that mean 
I don't know, like it, it it might be the graphic designer in me that like I like certain fonts, like I associate them with certain things or stuff like that. Like I see certain certain fonts and I'm like, oh, that is absolutely a font that should be on this kind of uh-huh. thing. And it's not that you can't use them for something else, but it's it's like an actor who's been typecast. Yeah, like, sure. I guess the font has also been typecast but um <laughs> uh, right and so it, it's kind of that it's like it's my own like preconceived mm. notions of these things of like that font should be on like a club flyer uh, I, <laughs> in like I, 2010 I did, <laughs> I did like that the font had parts that were missing it was like there was symbolic purpose behind it was a behind why it was a font like that we're like yeah there is no circle in the middle of the o circles disappeared we took it you just have to live with this weird looking o now no more circles oh well did (laughs) did you did you like that season three kept the visuals and changed up the song every time or would Um, you prefer that it stayed one song the whole time even if you weren't wild about what the song was i personally i think i would prefer it to stay the same every time but i think it was interesting that they did try and yeah do it that that one was not a like this is jarring i hate this it, it, it was more like okay not what i would have chosen but in like i don't think i've seen another show do that so that yeah was i've interesting <laughs> i've seen it that happen maybe once or twice for like a joke but the fact that that's how they set up this entire season where like only once do they play like the preceding theme song that goes with the set of visuals they're showing you i've never seen a a tv show replace their theme song with the theme song from a different tv show and thank god because i i wouldn't have understood that that was the theme song for the show that that one that one actor was in except i i had the subtitles on and it said the theme from i I forget what (laughs) it's perfect strangers yeah it it mentioned that i was like oh all right thank you like now i i get like this is the theme song for that show and it's like yeah all right that makes sense good Mm. good good joke here (laughs) i want to talk about i think one of the finest musical the finest needle drops and uses of music in the show uh and i don't even know the song or understand it but just the architecture of this entire scene so we start season three it's it's a couple years after we last left these characters and nora has a cast on her arm that isn't explained and in like episode two, she gets the cast off and we see this like dark mark on her arm underneath. Looks like a tattoo. And I'm like, is that the Wu-Tang logo? Yep. And she covers it up really quickly. And <laughs> so we don't know. We don't have confirmation. And then like later that episode, she's she goes to visit Erica. The one Erica scene, you know, we got Regina King in for 10 minutes. This is when we have her. And Nora's talking about how she got a tattoo of her kids' names. And then, like, immediately after she's done with the tattoo, she, like, plays the situation out in her mind. For the rest of her life, people are going to look at that, too, and be like, oh, is that your kids' names? She's like, yeah. And it's like, oh, how are your kids doing? How old are they? And she's like, well, they departed. Like, she's going to have to keep telling that sob story over and over again. So she panics at the last minute, points at something, some design on the wall, and says, just give me that. Just put that right over it. She didn't know what it was. 
<laughs> right. She, th- she said she thought it looked like a phoenix. So she shows Erica this tattoo and she's like, do you know the Wu-Tang band? And Erica's like, it's the Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang clan. clan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she talks about how she like got this. She panicked and got this tattoo. And then she was embarrassed about the cover up tattoo. So she slammed her arm in her car door so that she could get a cast over it and hide it for like another month. <laughs> God, I, I, I think I think what I'm g- going to do for the short video that we put like on Twitter and is our like g- Google short uh, thing or YouTube short uh, yeah. thing is just be, 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 be like, all right, this is the chaos that is the leftovers. Yes. This is what happens. Just, it's it's just it's just going to be a bunch of like random clips of of of, right. of like do you know the Wu-Tang band to like 20 foot tall Gary Busey here and then this thing yeah. <laughs> right, Gary Busey. <laughs> we need like a master cut of like the leftovers out of context. But uh, so after after Nora tells Erica the story she's she's talking to erica like uh, oh oh we start the season with um the guilty remnant we've got um we've got Liv tyler we, we've got evie there and they're in like the where they've taken over the jarden welcome center and they get bombed uh so those characters die that's a series wrap on Liv tyler <laughs> yep <laughs> goodbye um but, but, but so now uh evie like she faked a disappearance she left her family she did this this terrorist act more or less and then then she dies in an explosion and Nora's like how do you deal with that how are you coping and erica's like i bought a trampoline and then we go outside we're playing what i presume must be a wu-tang song but i don't know it and in slow motion we have that playing while it's just Nora and erica jumping up and down on a trampoline and it's such a a weird but victorious scene yes it's 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 like it is victorious because it 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 is and should be this like joyous happy moment of just the simplicity of jumping on a trampoline right like feeling you go up in the air and just be light and just like having no burdens or worries and stuff like that but both of them are oddly straight-faced (laughs) <laughs> like there is no there, there's no oh, joy they're serious right yeah they're taking they're doing this so intensely they are jumping up and down on that trampoline these two on, are like 40 yeah. something year old class act actresses so highly regarded in their field <laughs> we're gonna put them on a trampoline yeah and 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 on top of that, normally in a scene like this where there are two women jumping on a trampoline to a Wu-Tang song, it mm. might be a lot more sexualized than this. Right. But there is there is there's no sexualization on this at yeah. all. Like it, it, it doesn't focus on like titties jiggling no. or stuff like that. Nothing. And And it's just it is the most like boring trampoline <laughs> set that i've ever seen but set to a wu-tang song and it's just bizarre like what right. is going on <laughs> i also want to say i don't know for sure but i presume this is also a wu-tang reference at the beginning of that episode the like credit title card says written by the lonely donkey kong and specialist contagious uh i don't know who those are actually i like i presume i've 
I had no clue. I thought it was a joke. And then at the end of the episode, I'm like, I guess it's a Wu-Tang reference. I don't know. I have no context for them. I'm just like Nora. I just know what the logo looks like. Can 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 you say what they are once again? It's, it was it's the T H A, not T H uh, the okay. the Lonely Donkey Kong and Specialist Contagious. It might be yeah, the Lonely Donkey Kong. Uh, the leftovers pop culture references are so good. This is from the Vulture. Oh, oh good, thank also you, Vulture. One from Reddit here. Uh, let's see. See what Reddit has to say. Yes, this happened, and it's incredible. And it, yeah, it's it's exactly what I thought they they did there. Uh, it is. So what they did is they used a Wu Tang name generator. Oh my god! So who whoever the writers were in in this, yeah, like this is the names that they came up with. Wow. Uh, for that, I'm I'm wondering if there is like a <laughs> see. Uh, then the writing credit that popped up was uh. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, first the titles sw- swapped out their usual folksy anthem. Let the mystery be for nothing's gonna stop me now. The theme from the 1980s early sitcom Perfect Strangers. Then the writing yes. credit that popped up was listed as the Lonely Donkey Kong and the Specialist Contagious. Uh, a pair of names clearly spit out by the Wu Tang name generator, a long-standing online delivery engi- engine that takes regular monikers and transforms them into ones worthy of the greatest hip hop acts of all time. Uh, the uh, we're gonna clan. do this right now, Kyle. Uh, Google it, put fact, it in. Fun fact: yeah. uh, Childish Gambino. That's how he got oh! his name. Wow. Okay. Wu Tang uh, name generator. All right, Kyle, the, my co-host name this week is Ape Luckless. <laughs> Ape Luckless. Is, is that me or is that you? That's me. What's yours? Right. Do it yourself. Uh, Guide your own destiny. Springer. Enter the Wu-Tang. Crazy artist. <laughs> Fun stuff. How yeah. Did, how did it get you so precisely? <laughs> It knows me. I've been in, in I've entered the Wu-Tang before. I've been in the 36 chambers, Melissa. Wu-Tang is for the children, okay? <laughs> These are all phrases I think I've seen on a t-shirt before. <laughs> Cash rules everything around me. Cream. Get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Uh, uh an- yeah, I want to say another a, a Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. It's very funny. Ch- generator. It's great. Another great use of music this season. Um, besides, besides the Beach Boys, God only knows where I'd be without you as Kevin kills Kevin. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. very special. Uh, when Nora goes to that lab where supposedly she will be shot with radiation and transported to another realm, when she walks in, it's just this massive empty warehouse space where the two scientists are sitting there playing name that tune at a piano. And they're playing Take On Me. Uh, Take On Me. The music video is like a woman sees a guy in an illustration and the guy like pulls her through into the illustration world. Like it's a song that has been presented as a tale of transporting yourself to another realm. I liked that touch. And I love the end of the episode where the fire alarm goes off. 
What happens uh, in the afterlife happens in real life. Kevin's in a hotel where a fire alarm goes off and Nora's just sitting there under the pouring sprinklers trying to smoke a cigarette while Take On Me plays. Excellent. Excellent way to end an episode. Great chaos. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah, there, there's there's like moment to moment. This show is just bananas. It, yes. It just it absolutely has some great looking scenes or just things happening. But yeah, like in in the chaos, there is just this like I, I feel like I've lost I've lost the actual plot like I them trying to chase down Kevin to stop him from going to Australia uh, to to his father, like trying to find this last song to start to, to, to stop the floods. Where are the floods mm. coming from? Where did he get that? Like what? I just like the whole thing was just like I it yeah. eventually lost me. And I was just like, well, I'm just I'm just going to let it happen. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, just I, just I, let I it wash up. over you yeah. like a flood. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, there's a there are things that. This is a show they that we're really interested. Like they just completely oh drown the yeah, wrong yeah. Kevin. <laughs> this this is a scene where we get a lot of scenes out of order or out of context. We get the drowning of the wrong Kevin before we know uh, who any of those women on the horses are. Before we know where we are, we get that scene with with future Nora, and then you don't know. Even when you get to that episode. You're like 40 minutes in before you're able to figure out, is this our world or is this another world? Right. Yeah. There's yeah. The, uh, the second to last uh, or like third to last episode where we're following Lori mostly. There's a time skip between the last episode and this one. And we're going back and forth a lot. Yeah, it plays a lot with 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 time and, and giving you things out of order. Which does take a little bit extra brain work to catch up with, but sometimes it's neat. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I kind of wanted to mention we, we, we got this like mystery science group that is yeah. is claiming to Nora that they can like, like she she can see her kids again, right? <laughs> And she is it, 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 she's conflicted, right? Because her job yeah. is to expose these th yeah. things and be like, hey, that's you, you can't do this stuff. Right. Like, yeah, like, that's not what like, like you're basically just vaporizing these people. And yeah, that's it. You've murdered them. Um, but she also like she's. She's seen where Erica it is and had this like joyless experience on a tr tr trampoline and she's also seen where people like matt and john are or where kevin mm. is and she just i i feel like she's stuck somewhere in the middle of just like not yeah. knowing what to do and so she decides to go through with this experiment is what i'll say it is this yeah. procedure right to potentially send her to this other reality to see her kids where she might just die right it might just yeah. be that they vaporize her and that's it uh and she's oddly okay with that she she just wants to like i I'll just like i don't want to make up my mind here i'll just let whatever happens 
happen, right? Uh, if if I die, fine. If I get to be transported to my alternate reality yeah. where I can see my kids, fine. Um, and it but is she's going is often, in is also like super sci-fi, right? Yeah. Like when she actually yeah. finally gets there, because she has there's this whole thing where she gets rejected and all this, and that, yeah. But she finally gets there. She has to strip down naked, get in this like bubble that fills up with this liquid. There's this one scene where we see this like fossil of the per- 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 person oh, who was yeah. in there before. Like we see the like indent of like where they were like cur- curled up in this thing. Like it's strange what's this, happening. This is very French. My favorite yeah. part of this little storyline is. Uh, I love the scenes where it's Lori and Nora and Matt in the van staking out those two physicists trying to spot if they're frauds or not. I think that's a really great combination of characters to throw together. I want to say I like that the season put a little bit more weight on Matt and Nora as siblings, which we've always known that they are, but that they don't play up that right, angle yeah. very much. And it's also nice to see that Nora and Lori are pretty good friends. I like that there's no animosity between them as as Kevin's ex-wife and, you know, and, and his current long-term girlfriend. They, they get along they've, well, and I appreciate they've that. They've all k- kind of been trauma-bonded in weird yeah. ways. They're like... Right. <laughs> breaking up their original families and then like forming new ones in the same circle that they're in. It just, it, it's all this like, it's not incestuous, but right. right? It, it feels like this like oddly incestuous relationship <laughs> where everyone has gotten right. with everyone. I love that. Once. There's just like one <laughs> big family tangle at the center of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I my favorite bit about these is that they're sitting in that van they're spying on these two physicists who you find out like live together and are an item like you were watching yeah. through the window and it seems like they might just be roommates and then they kiss and Nora's like there they are there are those scientists and Matt looks through the binoculars and he's like the scientists wore lab coats I, I, I love this I don't know if it's supposed to be like Matt himself making a joke or if the show is like yeah, Matt believes that scientists always wear lab coats, even in the privacy of their own homes. I, what's wild to me is that <laughs> no one said, like, well, you're not wearing right. your collar, father. Like, <laughs> you don't have to always wear that to be what your occupation is. <laughs> right. I, don't, I, I Just, love it. I, oh, and I love, yeah, and I love when, like, I think the those scientists are leaving in a car and they're like, oh, we might be seen duck. And all three of them duck at the exact same time. It's such a Scooby-Doo moment. I love it. It's good. It's good. Um, I, I guess what I wanted to ask then is like, where do you feel like, especially with the whole religious aspect of stuff going on here? Where, where did you feel like, like did 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 that feel like a logical i mean i guess it's not like that's a weird question to, to ask but like how did you what was your take on that whole side of things of having these like three disciples basically follow kevin around making this new testament i i thought it was funny and i i think it makes sense we look at season two uh, a season where Kevin died and came back to life twice. And I appreciate that the show 
has characters that know that and characters that know that's really weird. Like, that's not supposed to happen. How did you do that, Kevin? What do you mean you, like, died and went to this afterlife hotel and then you had to karaoke your way back to life? And then the more Kevin talks about his life, the more they see other things that are also perhaps significant in a in a supernatural cosmic way. Like he talks about how, oh, like it's um, it's Tommy's 25th birthday in episode one and all the guys are sitting around. It's like Kevin and and Matt and John and they're all talking about what were you doing on your 25th birthday? Kevin talks about how he was a beat cop. He was. You know, there was a lady who had like a fender bender, like some traffic accident. And he stopped and talked to her and she had this little boy in the back of the car who was even after being in this accident, like completely calm. And then Tommy's there and he speaks up and he's like, yeah, I just just liked how you looked in your uniform. And and Kevin's like, yeah. And, you know, a year later, I married that girl and I adopted her little boy. He's like, it was like a little miracle, you know, me meeting Lori and Tommy that day. Yeah. Yeah. And then Matt's just like. Really, a miracle you say, Kevin. <laughs> and you he's don't like, know what, what he's doing yet. You don't know <laughs> yeah. what this means. I I appreciate that the show, yeah, has been doing so many weird things and has characters who stop and think about what that means in the context of their lives. Like, if Kevin has died and come back to life twice, maybe he is a god. We don't know. I think he is. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing that i think taken by itself like most of these things in these shows taken by itself could have been a still could have been an interesting story but also yeah like would be i i think a lot calmer like right if Mm -hmm. we only focus on this religious aspect that hey this one guy might be the second coming or might be some kind of god or who knows what like that is a dramatic story that you can tell like it can have a lot of drama and stuff like that and i think it it, it could be a really interesting story but it's then when you mix that with this like sci-fi alternate reality and stopping the floods in australia their 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 his dad is on this like spirit quest thing like it just there's so much chaos that it it almost detracts from that from these like individual stories like i can't take them as serious as maybe i should or want Mm. to um because that that would be a fascinating story because that is i mean that that was my whole thing with Miracle Texas of like it's kind of on the nose. I don't like that it's so like blatant and on the nose, but I can see and understand how if there was a town like that, how that would end up being this mecca, right? This this yeah. spot where all these t- t- tourists want to go. Maybe there is like a weird religious cult that springs up in the midst of all of that which is what we get in season one like all the, yeah. the, the this like s- those things make sense individually mm. but when you start stacking them it's just like whoa all right hold on here yeah guys. this is a lot like <laughs> i i understand yeah there's so many elements of this show that you could focus on just that you could focus yeah, on just absolutely. the the, the just the guilty remnant or just Kevin 
d- returning from the afterlife and his friends believe maybe he's a god. You could take any individual element of it and do three seasons on that alone. And it could also be a very highly regarded drama. Absolutely. Like I said, what I like about this show is how it just keeps throwing all these things in. I kind of like when it's stacked. It maybe loses some of the dramatic impact, but I like the comedy of impact of, well, welcome to season three. There's a 20 foot tall inflatable Gary Busey in the center of the town. Nora's got this Wu-Tang tattoo. Kevin's friends think he's a god. Slayer yep. it on. Build me one of those giant shaggy sandwiches out of, out of leftovers plot elements. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's this whole thing is a wild show. But so it is. When, when we, so we there you mentioned there's this scene that we see nora like 20 years down the road yeah takes us like 40 minutes to realize all right no this is the same universe but it's 20 years down the road last time we saw her she was being like swallowed up by all this liquid to go in this thing it almost looked like at the very last second she was gonna be like stop and like stop Mm -hmm. the whole thing yeah. How did you feel? What were you thinking when she revealed that? No, the thing worked like I actually went to this other universe that mm. was like mostly abandoned. Almost no people live there, but I got to see my family. I got to see my kids who are now like young teenagers and my husband is now with someone else. Like, what what was going on in your mind when she revealed that? I I liked the ambiguity of the final episode. I liked that I didn't know where or when we were until deep into the episode. I, I dig purposeful ambiguity like that sometimes. And I appreciate that they chose to give us those answers through not by showing them i like that we were told and not shown that the climax of this show is like a 10 minute monologue from nora (laughs) basically the show hinges so much on her and this is the final episode it's so small we see Lori briefly but other than that it's just kevin and nora and some assorted new uh players that they're around in this little australian town it's like 20 25 years in the future they've got old age makeup on they both look great also the makeup effects on those two i think they looked really believably appropriately like that age especially for this episode being just about those two lots of like tight close-ups on their face the makeup did well the performances were incredible. I liked what the final episode was. It's such an odd choice, but I like that it is a show with so much going on. So many elements. They're like for the finale, we're going to narrow it in to just the two, like our two down. main yeah. players, their relationship with each other, how they searched for and found peace in their lives. Let's narrow We've been so macro. Let's get real micro here at the end. Yeah, it I I think what that did, I'm glad they did that, that they told us about the stuff rather than showing, because at the end of the day, it's not about like, let's discover an alternate reality and go there and explore Mm. and find out, you know, it is about the emotional states of these 
characters and how they dealt with that. And I think for Nora, at, at least, we, we get that kind of full circle-ness, right? Where she yeah. does get to go to this alternate re reality. She sees her family one last time. They don't know it. Like, she didn't speak with them, but that was her choice. Yeah. Like, she she saw them. She saw that they were happy. She saw that they had a new family. Like, they, they, they seemed good. They seemed fine. And that was enough for her. And so she, that long story short, ended up uh, finding a way back into the reality that she belonged in and uh, stayed there and was good and was satisfied and happy like that is that is the ending i expected and wanted from like all of it i don't think everyone got that like compared to nora uh i think kevin like kevin never really believed himself to be a god or like the second no. coming of whoever yeah. um but he also knew that he could kind of go back and forth in this like afterlife reality thing. Um, but even then, like he. I, I don't feel like he he got the ending he was hoping for, but he got to a place where. Well, I want to say he was fine, but that was also what I said of like this is the ending that i want for everyone like i felt like his was a lot less complete yeah as compared to the end of nora if that makes sense i i liked the story that they were on i like that she does go through it works she goes to this other realm that is two percent of the entire human population yeah and like there are people who are there they're living they're learning to like figure it out and lead good lives she says that in this world where two percent of people disappeared there's so much fear and worry you don't know and you don't know where you stand you should i have gone what is it it is being removed is being departed a sign of goodness or badness on that person what does it mean she goes to this world where 98 percent of people disappeared and the people there are able to feel luckier they feel better. They're probably just as, as confused uh, and hurt, but they f they're able to feel like they were chosen, like they, they, are, they are lucky. It is a benefit that they are still alive and that they can still, you know, like her ex-husband and you know, her kids still have each other. Like there, there is happiness yeah. that exists there. It is desolate because so few people are there, but I think the lives that people lead are, are good. And she mentions that, so she... She crosses over the border in Australia, where this experiment was, just to figure out how to get to New York. I like when she mentioned that there are barely enough pilots in like the 2% of people who disappeared. She's like, I could have taken a plane. Planes work over there just like here. There's just not enough staff for them. And there's this almost dreamlike uh time dilation that she goes through because it takes so long to do anything and she doesn't gives us a number we don't know if it took her five weeks or five months or five years to get from from melbourne back to mapleton but she right. gets there and she does see her kids she sees that they're okay she chooses not to talk to them she realizes what she wants to do is find that scientist the inventor of this technology who crossed over there she goes to and gets him to make another machine 
She's like, I want to go back. I got what I need. Send me back. That also takes forever, but the sort of undefined forever. We and then she zaps back to Australia. And after that, we don't know how long it's been. And she chooses to not re-engage with her old life. She calls Lori every week. Lori, her friend and therapist. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. she's like never reached back out to Kevin. Like she was so removed from life for so long. She's like, I think it's moving on without me. I'm just going to lead this quiet little life now. With some level of contentedness in terms of her relationship to her children, her thoughts on the departure and what it was. She's got contentedness there. But there is this, in terms of her earthly relationships, the relationships we've seen her build over the last two seasons, yeah, she does miss Lori and and Kevin and Jill and everybody. Uh, But she doesn't re-engage with them. And to find out that Kevin spent years looking for her, he didn't know what happened to her. And I like that he says, I get two weeks of vacation every year. And every year I spend it to come to Australia and show your picture to everybody. For years, he's done nothing but try and find Nora again. Like he's never given up on her. I I think that's very, and I like that when they meet again, he's trying to give them a fresh start. Uh, he's so bothered about everything that happened, all, the way he behaved in their final days together that he's like, yeah. I'm going to approach her like, you know, we're just old acquaintances from Mapleton and none of this ever happened. I think we need a fresh start. And oh, the lengths. I love how romantic that final episode is. I like that's how that's what they focus on. We, we get little bits of, mm-hmm. of follow through about the other characters. We find out that Matt did eventually die. Cancer came back and took him, but Mary loved him to the end and gave him this beautiful eulogy. Jill's married with a child. Tommy got married and it didn't work, but he's resilient and he bounced back on his feet. And then Michael's running the church. Like there's good things. Like we get these little mentions of, don't worry, all the other supporting characters are good too. Uh, And here's some stuff about what the departure means. It's really just a Kevin and Nora love story. <laughs> That's what this final episode is. Yeah. yeah. And a goat covered in Mardi Gras beads. <laughs> yep. I was We're like, gonna, oh, like when, the show- when they introduced that goat, I was like, oh, no, are they going to sacrifice <laughs> the goat like at this no. wedding? <laughs> I mean, it's not so nice to cover a goat in beads in like plastic Mardi Gras beads and send it to just wander out in Australia. <laughs> but but it, yeah they did not overtly like slice its throat in the middle of a diner like we had in season two i love that the show is like got such a strong emotional interpersonal relationship core to it and then right into the end they're throwing in all these chaotic side elements like and a goat covered in mardi gras beads remember us it's the leftovers that's our signature style Yep, and then the like weird nun who's like having sex with the like motorcycle guy. <laughs> That's her life, yeah. <laughs> that too. Rolling around. I really appreciate that this is, this is a show where all of these minor characters who we run into just briefly feel like they've got whole lives that they're living. There we are do. practically no like flimsy practical slot side characters that just exist to like give you exposition or move the plot along they feel like each of them have an entire life that we're just not looking at yeah like i'm i'm still i'm super fascinated by the fact that this scientist went to the other side and then has just been chilling there like yeah 
what what's he up to what is what is going on with that whole thing because yeah if 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 it worked if it sent him to this other side yeah why wouldn't he make another portal like he somewhere along the line decided to actively like i'm not gonna make this until nora shows up five ten years later yeah knows right and and it just baffling to me that they're they could solve this and this is not a thing like they they could just like reintegrate like how come nora didn't come back and like be like guys we can fix this we can bring everyone back right now this is how it works i met the guy like she might sound crazy at 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 first but like now that they have portals both ways right like you can do this like especially if those scientists are still alive and then they meet nora again like that they would then like that would be proof that it worked and it's just like this is just not a thing like no one thinks to like i guess we can bring them back if they want right yeah i don't know yeah she doesn't there's it's it's just so much fascinating stuff with that that's like yeah what's going on how'd she convince this guy what's her life yeah she is the one person on earth who has this knowledge and she's never seemingly never told anybody Maybe she told Lori in a therapy session, but Lori's not telling anybody else. Yeah. Weird, weird stuff in that, in that show. Mm-hmm. Good show. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, for me, season three was just too chaotic and bizarre. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. I love the lion sex boat, uh, the giant Gary Busey. Kevin going to the afterlife where he's the president and he stands in front of everybody in his white suit and he's like, I have outlawed marriage. Nobody, <laughs> nobody will be married. And I held marriage a is the national single most destructive institution <laughs> d- the world has ever known. <laughs> no one, no one will be married. I held a national essay contest for kids to talk about why they shouldn't have parents. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it anytime we go over to that alternate universe. I, I think it's fun. It's fun to see like you. T- and we still got that connection with Patty. He's never been able to let go of, but it's turned into he has something. He to open the bunker with is... his biometrics and they're like, oh all right, now, God, now your right. penis. <laughs> and I just like, what? So, what? Okay. <laughs> so season two, when he goes to the afterlife and, you know, he like d- crawls out of the bathtub or whatever. It's such a scene of. I say I should be able to see that penis, not from a place of entitlement, but a place of logic. I should be like, able to see that penis. <laughs> right. Like they, they are going to such intense lengths to hide it from me when I know it yep. should be in my line of sight. And that was on my wish list for season three. I'm like, I don't care if I get any answers, but let me see that. Can I see that? And then <laughs> yeah, for the biometrics yes. to get into his bunker and scans his eye. And they're like, we got to scan your dick, too, though. And we don't see it. But the fact that the dick is so present and so disgust and it's this like little like drawbridge that flops down out of the computer <laughs> yes. terminal. It's just laying on there. It's you, we're going to scan it. Flop it on. Flop. <laughs> I, I like that it was. Yeah. Like the show was aware oh of. I think this was a show that was very aware of what your expectation was. Like thinking about the, the oh pratfalls. But. What? Finish your thought. We have another Thinking... scene to discuss a- 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 okay. after this. 
like thinking about the pitfalls of Lost and how it was a show that uh, in like had a plan at the beginning, kind of circled back to it at the end, but in the middle spun their wheels a lot and introduced things that never paid off. Uh, mm-hmm. the, Lost was the show that spent an entire episode explaining the backstory of Jack's tattoos, which nobody really asked for and didn't. Nobody was interested in when it happened. We've got Justin Thoreau walking up here covered in tattoos, never discussed, never mentioned, never explained. At one point, I think Lori says one of them is misspelled, which is talking to like yeah. Matt and John about like, of course, Kevin's not a god. He's such a normal mortal man. He has a misspelled tattoo on him. Would a god have that? I like I, I that felt like an intentional nod back at Lost. And this is a show that felt like it was aware of what you were expecting. And it's like, we know you all wanted to see Justin Thoreau's penis. You're not going to, but we're going to talk about it at least. Uh, no, no dick for you. <laughs> yeah. but you will get others. <laughs> you will get other dicks in this show. Right. There, there's One no of which Christopher Eccleston's penis. How about that? Well, that tied you over. <laughs> One of which is this next yeah. scene that we need to talk about. There is, okay. I, I forget, I, th- I think it's at the airport or something. Uh, it's when they're going to Australia. There's a guy that's taken out of line because he has this hazmat suit with him. And yeah. the airport security is just like, mm, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, there's about to be a nuclear event. Like, it's going to happen any day. Oh and you God, just think he's cr- right. Cr- crazy, right? Oh, I forgot then, about like, this part. The next episode, we start out with a, a like a character. We have no idea who this is. Strips down completely naked. Yes. And you see him like just standing on the side of the door, like perfectly straight, just waiting there. And you're just like, what is going on? And then someone else walks in. He knocks out this dude. He kills him. And this guy just like full on sprints naked. And you can see like, okay, he looks like he's on a submarine, like all the stuff. Yes. He's going after the nukes. And this guy is just having this naked sprint in this submarine to get to the nukes. He locks himself in the music also. Yeah. And like that was how we lured the guy in is that he turned up his opera too loud and the guy came in like, why is the opera so loud? And then he knocks him out and (laughs) takes his his nuclear missile key. And he gets in there. He locks himself in the room. He puts both of the keys in, stands in the very center and then (sighs) does this like really awkward, like yoga to like yeah to like his foot is on one key his hand is on one key and he can turn them all at the same time but again again we've already seen this this guy's dick once but this one scene where he does the move again they go to great lengths to just not show you this guy's dick as he like full on like bends over and like does this acrobatic yoga thing and it's just it's so bizarre and there's almost no explanation. And then, yeah, he launches the n- n- nukes and that's it. The nukes go off. And it's not something that we ever really discuss beyond no. that. Like we see it, really, it in like a news thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just it like, exists that's it. only to like add an obstacle to the characters journeys where like they can't uh, like international air travel is halted because or like at least in that area in the in that hemisphere whatever it's halted and that's why it's just an obstacle like like matt has to go to a friend who flies 
um, like, like charity supplies. Like, oh, there's been a natural yeah. disaster. Here I am. Here's all the food and blankets for people. Like, he has to get that guy to fly him to Australia. And there's, like, no plane that they can use to get from one side of Australia to the other. That's why they have to get on the lion sex orgy boat. Like, it just exists to set up other obstacles. It is not a plot point in itself. Yeah. So, there's a nuclear event, which means they have to get on a boat where there is this lion sex orgy. And then from and there, say- they have to go save their friend, who they think is the second coming of yeah. Christ, to go back to Miracle, Texas, where no one got disappeared. And, like, right. <laughs> this thing is an acid trip this whole show it is i is love it bonkers. i also i also want to say that this orgy they go on it's a it's a human orgy that's just lion themed there's a lion there nobody touches him he's just like in a cage as like a place of Apparently honor it's a true story i th- I, I think I, they, it like, sounds like an actual it, yeah. song about this thing yeah. like i don't know that was wild Whatever. i loved Truly wild. And a, a word we've said 20 times in this episode, but that's what The Leftovers is and deserves. I, yeah. I liked that. I like that there's so much tense, dramatic conversations going on while there's just like a vigorous hand job just out of frame. <laughs> like they're, they're in the middle of it. People are walking around in fuzzy little lion ears and a tail and like pasties and nothing else, you know. It's yeah. <laughs> poor yeah. Not poor even Matt is to be in the middle of yeah. this. I I, lo- I love whenever they throw Matt in over his head. I like that we get one episode like that each season where it's like Matt confronts gambling. Matt confronts violence. Matt confronts an orgy. Just, just throw him in there. Watch him I will have to say, his way out. I didn't like the Matt-centric stuff in season one and two. This one on the boat, I think, was the most entertaining Matt story. Like, yeah. I liked this one. I was like, this one is just so fun. You get to see titties mm. and dicks everywhere. It's war. Right. And then he says the one thing that, like, you're not supposed to say on this boat. And it just gets even more strange and bizarre. And he sees someone murdered and everyone thinks he's yeah. the one that's crazy like a yeah murder. I'm like are you kidding me on a sex boat no <laughs> and then it turns out like he's the he's the one sane one and then a lion murders someone at the end of this a lion too. murders just, god yeah a lion like, eats god that's the end of the episode and the matt's like well if god's <laughs> not watching me i'm not gonna I'm not going to be so fussy about my behavior anymore. Matt weirdly ends that episode in a better place than where he started. He's got a stronger grasp on what he needs to do in life. Right. Just the whole thing is just bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's weird. That's this whole show. I I truly enjoyed the ride that was The Leftovers. It was what I thought it was and so much more than that. This is a really special show just for how much how much it throws in there. And even if it gets a little crowded and unwieldy, I'll take it for all these moments of unique strangeness that I could get nowhere else. Yeah, we watched the finale season three of The Leftovers. And oh, boy, this was not what I expected at all. <laughs> uh-huh. It was good. It, it was a journey. It was a wild ride. Uh, yeah. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Melissa, I say yeah. it's time we check in on Bingo to see if we have Bingo. any of that stuff. 
let's see. Let me pull Do it up. I my bingo have, card. Oh, I don't know if I have anything. I, I nothing stood out to me either. Yeah, uh, I am still missing sure. uh, a superhero fight through a building. Uh, you throw an object, and off screen you hear a funny sound effect, and no time to eat breakfast. Hasn't I felt like I would have had no time to eat breakfast at some point this year. That one's been eluding me. Did we get a courtroom scene in this one? Oh, was, like courtroom scenes are discussed. Like Nora talks about the. Because there's the whole uh, thing the about the guy in the tower. I'm wondering if there was one in there when they no. kind of figured out what actually happened. No, no, they don't okay. need to go to court for that. Nothing there. So yeah, no, no, no update on review yeah. show bingo. Last season, we were able to cross off actor playing themselves thanks to Mark Lynn Baker. <laughs> An important service continue into this yeah. one but yeah uh okay well there's that uh melissa yeah recommendations for these end yes. of the month specials we like to do it the first time that we cover things and we also like to do it the last time that we cover things to see if our recommendations have changed at all though i'll be honest I don't remember what I recommended the first time, except I, the obvious like, go watch Lost because we liked Lost. <laughs> Lost. Uh, I recommended Angels in America. I wish okay. I stand by. Maybe we talked about Mr. Robot. Definitely. If you like this, watch Mr. Robot. I think the sh that's another show that is that excels at being this high strung drama and also is really chaotic. <laughs> Yep. Like that is a weird show in a way I really dig. And if you like the leftovers, I think that'll also operate on your wavelength. Uh, my yeah. recommendations this time are an episode of The Simpsons and an episode of Futurama. Okay. Okay. Uh, season nine, episode nine of The Simpsons. There's an episode called Lisa the Skeptic, where a uh, she goes to an architectural dig, uh, an archaeological dig site there in Springfield and digs up a skeleton, a human skeleton. And as she keeps brushing away, there's what look like wing formations coming out of its back. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's an angel. We, you found the, the, like, the skeleton of an angel. And Lisa's like, it's not an angel. Angels aren't real. And the whole town is having this religious experience around her while she keeps trying to find a way to disprove it. And at one point, the, the town believes that um, there will be a rapture coming up one night and you see the town prepare for this. Like Marge is like, I don't know what you wear to a rapture. So I'm going to put the kids in our going out to a steakhouse clothes. <laughs> it's 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 a nice portrait of faith and belief and skepticism and dealing with being in a different headspace than all the people around you in the middle of this very intense experience there you go watch that and watch i'm going to recommend the series finale of futurama futurama okay. which is is largely an episodic show so when i talk about the finale i'm not really spoiling anything there's no lead up to this this isn't the conclusion of any particular storyline but this the leftovers finale reminded me a lot of the futurama finale of all things it's an episode where the professor has some sort of a, uh, a device that will stop time. 
and it malfunctions and breaks and it is Fry and Leela as the only two people who are alive in a world where everything is still there. It's just frozen. And it's the two of them. They're the only living souls and they just walk around the earth. They, They treat it like a long, long vacation. And they'll like go see their friends and they'll like prop them up and like move them around like they're dolls. Like, yeah, they're having a party with their friends. Uh, But they just walk the earth and they see all these sights. And it's a very tiny, emotionally inclusive story of just the two of them and their relationship here in this sort of odd realm where they're the only things alive and everything is frozen around them. And at the like the end of their journey, Fry asked Lila, didn't it feel kind of lonely? And she's like, I was never lonely. I was with you. I had all these wonders of the world yeah. to look upon. It's very sweet. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice companion to the Leftovers finale. Interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there would be some good Twilight Zone uh, stuff that might be real similar to, to this. Yeah. The, that's what Twilight Zone often did is they were like, and like 2% of the people disappeared. And then it's just like a smaller story about how like a family copes with that thing. Yeah. Right? Like they, they do right. stuff like that. They don't all have yeah. a, a big like, and the twist is this, right? But yeah, some of them do. Yeah, um, if only Leftovers also had an episode where somebody got turned into a jack in the box. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, or had like you a mysterious a to... plastic phone that they were talking to someone on the other oh side. Oh my God. I love that. You could fit anything into the leftovers. There's room for anything. You could. You really could. Uh, so I got a couple of recommendations. Mm. Um, first up is the TV show Watchmen. Which is also co created ah! uh, co created by Damon Lindelof, has Regina King uh, in the show as well. Um, and it is, yeah, like that f- kind of familiar sense of storytelling where there are these multiple threads kind of being woven together. Um, Watchmen, the show, is a continuation of the g- graphic novel. Um, and it is pretty good. I know when it when it when it came out, a lot of people were, were really big into it of like, this is one of the best uh, like seasons of TV period. Uh, they only did one. They don't plan to make more. He was just like, no, yeah. I like this was the story that I wanted to tell. And that 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 was it. But there's also just a bunch of like weird chaos that happens in okay. the show. This is what I've been um, wondering because I've heard yeah, that the show is is very stuff. good. I haven't checked it out because it seems a little dark for me. But I was wondering if it had that same chaos energy that the leftovers radiates. It definitely does. Um, okay. There's there's a whole, just yeah. There's all sorts of stuff with Osmandius and this like lube guy that can like lube himself oh, up God. and like slip into like small spaces and stuff like that. Oh my yeah, God! It just, they have just weird bizarreness in that whole show. It's g- great. Somebody should have um, told me this lot. two years ago that there's a lube guy in the lube Watchmen or series. Whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, it's good. I didn't like it as much as a lot of people did, but it's still phenomenal. Mm. Um, so I recommend that. There's uh, the show that I covered on the very first 
uh, review oh, yes. show thing. The yes. Path. I may have recommended this in the first one. I don't remember. Maybe you but did. If, if you liked more of the guilty remnant side of The Leftovers and you want to follow a cult and what it's like to be in one and the nature of faith and belief and institutions that uh, either are good or bad and the structure and purpose that they provide for people and how that can change people's lives or perspectives the path uh is a phenomenal show it's only three seasons it's on hulu uh it stars um i always forget his his name aaron Jesse paul from breaking bad yes aaron paul um this is i think the show that he did after breaking bad it also has hugh dancy uh who we saw in hannibal um mm. yeah like the, i i i think that's a great show with very similar themes there you're about to say something i hannibal reminded me uh several times in the show we've encountered a story that goes to a place where you have grown up or been in in your home state of virginia this is the first time I think anything has brought us to St. Louis. When Nora has yeah. to go meet with Mark Lynn Baker to learn about this experimental procedure, he says, meet me at this hotel in St. Louis. So happy. MLB yep. and the STL. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, go, go check out The Path, uh, available on Hulu. And last but not least, the OA, or the... Or the... I'm not sure how to... P pronounce it exactly the I think is maybe how you pronounce it but this is about a girl who disappeared and then mysteriously came back seven years later is no longer blind and oh yeah doesn't really like to describe what happened to her and you you kind of have to piece it together yourself but it also kind of uh this might be minor spoilers a little bit it also plays with this idea that there is like an alternate reality kind of thing there mm. um i never watched season two from what i understand season two gets a little bit more into the sci-fi side of things whereas season one is more just like dealing with her kind of reintegrating into society and just people dealing with the fact that she has changed and is not mm. the proper person that she was before and all, all of that stuff uh it, it's a really interesting show it's a strange one too. But yeah, it's deals uh, with some similar stuff of people disappearing and reappearing yeah. and stuff like that. I believe that one's on Netflix, too. So, yeah, there you go. Those Sounds are the good. shows I would recommend. OK, good stuff with that. Uh, Melissa. Yes, we will start our next end of the month uh, series in January. I yes. don't have something picked out yet, but I will very soon, mm. soon you and I will discuss that. I'm hoping at our like end of the year retrospective, we can announce yeah. what that is uh, and then have all of winter 
break in all of January to watch and or read that. I'm hoping it will be a manga. I, I'm I'm still trying to pick some st stuff out uh, with 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 that there, but we'll see. We'll we'll see because we've not done a a manga for these end of the month uh, things yet. So I I think that would mm -hmm. be a good good thing for us to do. But we shall see. In the meantime, though, the rest of December is usually when we do holiday themed picks yeah. or winter themed picks and stuff like that. Uh, so I have three movies that i found on netflix let me pull these guys okay. up here i have their pages here uh yeah. the first one is called let it snow uh this was released uh in 2019 uh it's available on netflix it's a christmas romantic comedy uh okay. and it is apparently based on a young adult novel of the same name um, written by Maureen J J Johnson and John Garin and Lauren Miracle. Yeah, so this seems more like a teen-centric rom-com. Kiernan Shipka, I believe is her name, who is in Mad Men. She was the kid. She was also sub. Sabrina okay. uh, in the Netflix show. She's in this. Uh, Shamik Moore is in this. Uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy that plays Ned in Spider-Man. Uh, oh, he's, he's yeah, in this. Jacob Batalon. Yeah, uh, he it's it seems more like an ensemble cast about these teens kind of finding love and romance and partying and just figuring out who they are and what they want to be and what they want to do uh, with their lives. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it says on Christmas Eve in Laurel, in Laurel, Illinois, Julie Reyes runs into rising pop star Stuart Bale on a train. Oh. He mistakes her as a fan when she tries to return his phone to him, uh, to which she takes offense despite his apologies. Uh, after the train is stopped by snow by snowed over tracks, Jolie gets off to walk home. Stuart jo joins and and offers lunch at a local diner called Waffle Town. Uh, she reluctant. I want to go 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 to Waffle Town. Yeah. Uh, she reluctantly agrees and also saves Stuart from a group of fan girl cheerleaders. Uh, she reveals to Stuart that she got accepted to Columbia. Her mom is deathly sick, but if she delays uh, leaving, she'll also lose the scholarship. So it just it seems like there's a bunch of stuff about these kids like tr trying to figure out who they they are. Um, but it had a very different vibe from like the other like Christmas romance comedies uh -huh. that you might see out there because it was more teen centric, if that makes sense sense so that's that one let it snow mm. on netflix pitch number two uh is one you may have seen in your netflix recommendations recently because it came out this past november uh love hard on netflix 
this is also set in like the Christmas holiday time uh, about a woman who matches with someone on a dating <laughs> app, hasn't met them yet and decides to surprise them for the holidays. So she goes to see them. Turns out she's been catfished uh, by this this kind of Joe Schmo guy. And so she storms off, goes to this local bar, ends up seeing the guy that was in all of the pictures that ah. she was catfished with. And I guess in talking to him, learns that the guy that catfished her knows him. So she goes back to the guy that catfished her and was like, hey, you know him. You need to set me up. You owe me. Ah. Uh, and so it is them like trying to figure out a way to like get this guy to go on a date with with her. And I think by the end okay. of the film, I think she does end up falling in love with the guy that catfished her kind of thing. I think that's w where it looked like it was going. Um, so, yeah. That's love hard on Netflix. Okay. Love is hard. Uh, what stood out to me about this one is the it's a white woman that then uh, the guy that catfished her is an Asian guy. So it is him and his whole family. There. So ah, it's like it's I'm looking Asian this up on, on Netflix here. now, starring Nina Dobrev yeah. and Jimmy O. Yang. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that one could be interesting mm -hmm. with that there. That's pitch number two. And pitch number three, uh, this is also a 2019 uh, Christmas rom-com Uh this is directed by Leslie Small, uh, and it stars Romani uh, Malco, uh, Saniqua Martin-Green, a bunch of actors that I'm not familiar with. Uh, it's a majority, I think, all-black cast, uh, but this is about a hip-hop radio JJ with the nickname uh -huh. Rush. Uh, and okay. he what's ends the name of this movie? You haven't said the name oh. yet. <laughs> it's called Holiday Rush. OK, this is thank also you. Available on Netflix. Yeah, uh, he is a widowed hip hop radio DJ that loses his job at the station when it is bought by uh, another c company that switches to a pop format. Uh, he and his four children have uh, been accustomed to living a privileged life as he was like the big star there, right? Uh, so they are forced to downsize and move back into their aunt's house where they lived previously um, be before they became wealthy. Uh, it seems like he kind of develops a romantic relationship, uh, with one of his, uh, assistants, I think, um, that used to work for him or used to work w with him at, uh, the radio station. It looks like they try to start their own radio station, mm. but it's also this story of like, these kids were used to 
being rich and stuff like that. So they kind of have to like rediscover as a family what Christmas means and stuff like that. All of that there. So that is Holiday Rush. Pitch number three. So <laughs> pitch is... number one was Let It Snow. Pitch number two was Love Hard. And pitch number three was Holiday Rush. This is an interesting set of pitches from you. These feel like the first one feels like a Disney Channel original movie and the other ones feel like Hallmark or Lifetime Channel stuff. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. There's there's a lot of these like rom-coms that are like set in holiday times, whether it be Thanksgiving Mm. or Christmas or stuff that really have nothing to do with the actual holiday. Like you could tell this exact same story in the middle of june right and yeah. it'd be the exact same thing but it, it's just the fact that it is set during the winter time or these holidays that it just makes it more cozy right it, it yeah. makes it more just like oh this there's is candles good. and things yeah candles and things good old candles i love candles you know <laughs> So I've been looking these up on Netflix. How do I click it so that it just tells me about the movie and doesn't like play it? Stop playing things at me. I'm here to learn. This is I, a scouting mission. I just mission. went to their Wikipedias. That's what I did. Uh, I've looked over these. The only one. Okay, so on Netflix, it like gives you genres. It gives you this movie is and then it lists some adjectives. I uh-huh. think out of the three of those, Love Hard is the one that seems like it's the most overtly a comedy. So I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Love Hard. I think, I think it was there the one go. that Netflix said, this movie is funny. <laughs> so I'm like, that one, that one, please. I think this Love is also hard. a nice companion to us having watched Love Alarm earlier this year. We'll get another okay, look yeah. at... Uh, 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 a dating Online app dating. story. Yeah, I don't remember where I've seen him. I know I've seen Jimmy O Yang in something, and he was charming. And I'd like to see him okay. again. Interesting. Yeah, he plays a character named Josh Lin, I believe, in this here. Um, let's see what his I- IMDb says. Wait. You might not find it. Maybe I heard him on one episode of a comedy podcast, which you're never going to find on IMDb. That's the trouble. Looks There's like so many people I know I rich Asians. Yeah. Have not seen. I he was yeah. probably on a comedy bang bang and IMDb unfortunately doesn't list those even though it's my main method of learning who people are. <laughs> IMDb, like they won't Space tell Force? you if you heard that guy on a podcast. Haven't watched Space Force yet. Silicon you didn't, Valley. You didn't pick it the one time. Haven't no. Fresh off the boat. Have uh, not. Trying to find other things that I've seen. Apparently, he was a voice in American Dad. Um, <laughs> for like a just a like a smaller <laughs> character in 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 that. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, not uh, he not helpful, in- but good to learn agents of shield he must have had like okay a side character i haven't seen there. agents of shield but these all sound like fine credits like he's, i, I yeah. probably know him from a podcast maybe which isn't i can't wait till imdb adds that feature where you can just list individual podcast Podcasts. episodes a person has been and on and i'm like oh that's what i know you from you were on how MD- did this get my- made one time my IMDb page would be so much more full if I could put all the podcasts I've been on. 
Oh, well. Cool. Yeah. So that's what we will do this next week uh, is the Netflix uh, romantic comedy Love Hard. Mm hmm. Oh, that's what we will do for this next week. Um, yeah, I'm excited to check this one out. Tis the season mm-hmm. for holiday rom-coms. Tis the season. Good stuff. Um, well, yeah, with that, I think that wraps us up for this week. So, Melissa, where can the people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyBit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, show where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. Our latest episode was our Thanksgiving special watching the movie We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, uh, where they do arrive in New York City the day of the parade and they crash the parade and John Goodman dinosaur sings. Hell yeah. Good stuff. Uh, if you guys want to follow me, I am at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter. If you guys want to stay up to date with all of the stuff that we do at The Whatnots, we are at The Whatnots on Twitter. So please go like, share and subscribe. That would help us out a ton to spread the word uh, and all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, that wraps us up, though. This has been number 185 of The Whatnots Review Show. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.